0: Let's give another big round of applause to the worship team there for leading us in that. Thank you guys so much. Let's give a hand to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who we get to celebrate and worship tonight. That is why we are here and why we do what we do. I am so thankful again for each and every one of you who have taken time to spend with us and to come into the Lord's house tonight and to celebrate and to worship all that He is and all the goodness that he allows us to experience through a relationship with our Savior Jesus Christ. So I'm excited for this part of the evening as well as we get ready to to transition into a time of of message. And I believe that God has put something very powerful and very, very relating to each and every one of us uh, on Caleb's heart. And I am excited to to welcome him up here to be able to share the message tonight. And I believe that God's going to do an awesome thing through him. So you can go ahead and come on, man. Yeah.
1: Here, this paper is cardstock. It's not that thick, okay? All right, it is cardstock. I'm going to move this if this is Okay. Well, I want to begin this evening, um, you know, I I know our minds are are now beginning
2: to focus on,
1: that doesn't move, on God's Word. Um, And because of that, I wanted to bring to light what Scripture says. Uh, You know, the song that we sang at the very end, um, uh, what a beautiful name it is, was combined with a song that's been sung for generations, thousands of years. It's a song called Agnes Dei. Um, and it stems from Revelation chapter 7. And I want to just read these words briefly here for just a moment. After this I looked, and behold a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. Is this a taller one? Thank you, sir. That's good. You are the man. I got two podiums. I'm not used to this. Uh, standing before the Lamb uh, and crying with palm branches in their hand, uh, and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Holy is the Lord. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray for us real quick before we dive into our text tonight, so let's pray. God, again, we thank you so much for this day. God, we thank you for the space that you have allowed us to enter into. God, for the opportunity just to worship you today in spirit and in truth. God, I pray as we look into your word this evening, God, that you would open up our hearts, that we may have uh, our eyes opened up to the beauty of who you are. Uh, may our hearts be filled with wonder and awe. And delight and satisfaction and hope in you. God, we praise you for the work that you have done already here tonight. God, we praise you for the work that you've done on the cross. God, we praise you for the work that you're doing currently. And God, we're going to praise you now for the work that you're going to do in the future. Because one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. So, God, we praise you here tonight we thank you so much. We love you because you first loved us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. We're going to open up our Bibles, if you don't mind, to Genesis chapter 3. So if you have a copy of God's Word, I would encourage you to open up to Genesis chapter 3. Uh, we're going to be in verses 1 through 13. We're going to bounce down to verse number 21. Um, and if I could, could I get a little bit of lighting? I, can't, I can hardly see the, the stuff on the paper we get a little bit of lighting? Yeah, thank you. Okay, that's good, that's good, that's good. We're good, we're good. Um, So as we open up to Genesis chapter um, 3, again, we're going to settle verses 1 through 13 uh, and also verse 21. Uh, But while you're turning there, I want to give a little bit of context of where we are in Genesis chapter 3. I want to kind of catch you up on where we are in the story. As you probably well know, Genesis chapter 1 is the creation story. We see the very first verse in Scripture, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, as I prepared for tonight and reading Genesis, there's this sense of awe and wonder in my heart and in my mind because God created God created out of nothing. He created the, the, the ring around Saturn that is there. He spoke that into existence. At just the wave of his hand, at the flick of a finger, at the sound of his voice, creation began. That is amazing to me. Because when I, when I look out, uh, for those of you who don't know, I live out towards the Campobello area, which is yonder If you want to know what direction that is, it's yonder, all right? And on my way home, just about every day, I can see the the mountains uh, in the backdrop. And usually around 8, 8.30, there is a sense of wonder and awe in my heart because the sky turns that pretty orange and purple color, and the sun is setting. And I think to myself, man, there is something beyond me that is so much greater than I am. There is something beyond myself. As Romans 1 says, creation reveals that god is real that there is something beyond ourselves when we look at the world around us what an imagination god must have you know not only were there planets and stars and galaxies and universes and all this wondrous stuff that we have the opportunity to observe but the crown jewel of god's creation was man who was created on the sixth day And what was distinct about man and humanity was that man was created in the very image of God. It's a term, the imago dei. We see this in Genesis chapter 1, 25 through 27. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them you know if the story was to end there the Bible would be an easier book to read because it'd be a lot shorter (laughs) and everything we know would be in perfect harmony You see, at the very beginning of creation, when God created man and he created woman, God and humanity lived in shalom. They lived in peace and harmony. They lived in perfect relationship, not only between God and man, but also man and nature, God's other parts of creation. God had given humanity a purpose. He had also given humanity fellowship, and fellowship not only with each other, but also with himself. And God saw that man himself was not fit to be alone. So from Adam's rib came the first woman, Eve. And God gave them a purpose as a husband and a wife to be fruitful and multiply. You don't have to be married to understand what that means. Everything was perfect. But it didn't stay that way, did it? And you know, the reality is we don't have to venture far in our Bibles to see this take place. All we have to do, really, if we look up from Genesis 1, verse 27, and we look out to the world around us, we will notice that brokenness exists everywhere. Brokenness exists everywhere. And we will know that what we see in Genesis 1 is not currently our place now in this world. Something is not right. If you take a quick trip across social media, you can probably see this too. You don't have to go to the local restaurant or even perhaps the local church. Just take a quick trip on Instagram or Facebook. We'll see that many things in our world and in our our culture are far off from the way that God originally designed them to be. Most of you may be familiar with the, the movie that just recently came out well, a couple months ago. It's called Sound of Freedom. Uh, maybe you've gone to see that that movie, but it depicts a true story of a man named Tim Ballard, who uh, saves children that are in the trafficking industry, the sex trafficking industry. And in this movie, you get the horrific truth that children, some as young as seven or eight years old, are brought in or bought to perform sexual acts. They're bought because of their organs. And they're, brought, they're bought to perform these acts and they're paid for most of the time by grown adults and grown men. And this movie raised awareness that sometimes we don't often like to look at as individuals. This movie raised awareness for millions of Americans that had no idea that trafficking was taking place not just in America but across the globe. And, you know, if you do a little bit of research... And you look at some of the numbers, it's pretty eye-opening. Sex trafficking industry and the, the trafficking industry itself is a $99 billion industry. $99 billion. That's more money than I don't even think I could put down on a piece of paper. One in six endangered runaways reported in the United States are likely to become victims of sex tra- Sex trafficking. 20% of human trafficking victims are children. You know, it doesn't take a movie, it doesn't take a deep dive into stuff like this for us to see that our world and our culture around us is somewhat backwards from what God had designed. There are world wars taking place and disputes taking place between countries across the globe. Our culture itself here in the West is overstimulated and hypersexualized. So the question is what happened? Where did everything go wrong? Verse 27, everything was great. Thankfully, we don't have to wonder for too long. And that's where we arrive in Genesis chapter 3. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. And we'll get to verse number 21 in just a little bit. Man said, The woman, notice what Adam does. He shifts the blame. See that? Man, that is something I think we're naturally good at. We shift blame, right? But Adam said, uh, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. It's her fault, is what Adam said. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Adam and Eve took of the fruit and ate, and everything changed. The peace, the harmony, the fellowship, the communion that they had, everything changed. Notice the first thing that the serpent did when he was having his discussion with Eve was he brought into question what God had already commanded, you see that back in Genesis two, that God commanded in verses sixteen and seventeen, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, "You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, eat of it, you will surely die." You see, Adam and Eve knew that they were not supposed to eat of the fruit, not even touch the fruit. The serpent questioned what God commanded, ultimately questioned God's authority. And Eve's initial response, as we see in chapter 3, is correct. She makes the serpent aware who already knew that God commanded them not to eat from this tree. And upon hearing this, the serpent changes his tactics. He changed his strategy. He, He didn't begin to further question God's authority, but he actually issued a promise. And it's the most powerful promise that sin and Satan entices us with still to this day. It's a powerful promise. You will be like God. That's the promise. He promises the knowledge of good and evil and the ability to be like God, which all of us, if we're in the same shoes, in the same boat, if we're honest, we're taking that low-hanging fruit as well, if not devouring the fruit. So Adam and Eve take and eat of the fruit and immediately their eyes were opened to their own nakedness and they were completely embarrassed of themselves. Instead of being like God as though they were promised, they became embarrassed of themselves. The very creation that was made in the image of God became embarrassed of how their creator made them. So they grabbed some leaves and they hid. They hid from each other and they hid from God who was walking amongst the garden. And God then asked Adam and Eve, why are you hiding? Do you not know who I am? And they revealed that they're embarrassed of themselves and that they've been deceived. With one bite of fruit, sin now enters into the world. The consequences lay out between verses 14 through 20 in chapter 3. You see, death becomes a reality. Toil becomes a part of work. Pain enters into the world. And above all, the communion and the shalom, the peace and the harmony and the fellowship that Adam and Eve had experienced with God up to this point in chapter 3, that is now fractured and broken and separated. Man and God could no longer commune and fellowship together because of the sin that had now entered into the world. The creature made from the dirt defied their creator all because they believed the false promise of becoming like god and don't get me wrong the fruit was enticing she saw that the tree was good for food so it produces food so therefore it must do some good and it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise And you see the story of how sin entered into the world didn't just affect Adam and Eve. As I mentioned earlier, brokenness is all around us. Sin is all around us. In fact, it's not just all around us, it's within us. You see, by our very nature, we are sinful. We are all sinners who are in need of grace and mercy. We are all bent to defy God and to sin against God. Him. Scripture attests to this throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5, "The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually." Genesis 8 21, "The intention of man's heart is evil from his youth." Job 15:14, "What is a man that he can be pure? Or who is who, who or excuse me, or he who is born of a woman that he can be righteous?" David in Psalm 51, beautiful psalm about brokenness. He says in verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Jesus' own words in Matthew 15, 19, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Paul in Romans 3, quoting from the Old Testament, Psalm 14 and Psalm 53. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. Paul doesn't say a third of all people don't seek God. No one. No one means no one. Verse 12, he says, all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So not only is the brokenness around us that we can so easily see, the brokenness... Is within us. The attacks that we see people go against each other and the things that go against God are not just certain systems and structures that exist. I do agree, Brother Benjamin, about praying for our our politicians. Absolutely. And revival is breaking out, but revival begins with us. It begins in our own hearts. And if you don't believe God is big enough to save a nation... What God do you believe in? You see, ultimately, the issue is not outside of us. The issue is within us. And the sin that is within us separates us from God. And if I were to just stop there and pray and leave, we'd all feel pretty hopeless, right? But this weekend's not about feeling hopeless. This weekend's about hope, I even got a shirt that says, Hope Rising. If the story ends there, we're hopeless. We're defeated. We're purposeless. We would all be doomed and separated from God for an eternity. But if you just go down a few verses to verse 21 in chapter 3 of Genesis, I want to read this verse. This is after everything had taken place. The fall and sin now enter into the world And the consequences for Adam and Eve's sinful decisions are now in effect. And one of the first things that God does happens in verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. The creature from the dirt that went against their creator did the sole thing they were told not to do. The one thing they were told not to do, they did it. Their perfect harmony and relationship with God now shattered because of the decisions that they made. Man listened and believed the serpent, the enemy of God, rather than their creator. And they will face consequences of their decisions. Again, 14 through 20, tell us what those are, as we all do. But the first thing that God does is sacrifice an animal to clothe his people who are ashamed of their nakedness. And the first thing that God does is he sacrifices an animal and he clothes his people. Because you can't get garments of skin from leaves. (laughs) Those come from animals. Why would God do that? You see, if we were on his side of the equation, that doesn't make any sense. The enemies of God, because of their sin, God closed them in their embarrassment of who they are. You see, I think verse 21 is a precursor and a picture of what is to come in the grand scheme of scripture, because the Bible doesn't end in Genesis 3. The Bible continues. The, the, God's story continues on. Sin infects us all. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And in our natural state, we are separated from God. But just as God saw it fit to make a sacrifice from Adam and Eve, the animal that he sacrificed and clothed them, God saw it fit to make a sacrifice to not just temporarily clothe us, his people, but to fully clothe us in a righteousness, in a garment of righteousness that's not our own, but is of the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. Romans 5.10 says, For if if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, so much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. You see, uh, Paul alludes to this in Ephesians chapter 2. He brings in temple language, and temple language is also present in Genesis as well. But Paul talks about how uh, the Gentiles used to be far off from the temple. You see, you had the holies of holies, and you had priests, and you had layers to the temples. And the, the, the Gentiles were way out here. So imagine with me. This is a very large place, all right, while well, I'm standing up here, okay? So imagine me. I'm at the very back of the temple, and the holies of holies is those two front doors up there that come into this building. And the only place that I can go as a Gentile is here. I can't even step foot close to that, that, pace, that space because of who I am and how the temple was designed. But you see, when Jesus died, when he took his last breath, the veil was torn in the temple. I love the worship song. The ground began to shake. The sky darkened and the veil was torn. And Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, that which was far off is now brought near. I can be brought near to the holies of holies, not because of what I've done, but all because of what Jesus has done. Paul again in Romans 5, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. For one would scarcely die, scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And I love what Paul says in verse 11. More than that, as if that's not enough, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You know, as we bring our time in God's Word together to a close, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever thought about the, the weight of your sin? The depth of your sin? How your sin, my sin, our sin separates us from a holy God? And he is just in that because he is God. Sin cannot be in his presence. He is holy, 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 as Isaiah chapter 6 says. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Have you thought about the depth of your sin? Because just at that thought, it should break our hearts because we have sinned against our Creator. And if we stay in that state, I want you to know tonight, because I love you, the wrath of God is pressing upon you. You may shrug that off, and you may not believe me, but the wrath of God is pressed upon you. One of the most famous sermons in American history, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. God is just to punish sin, and the only just thing that he can do is separate sin from his being, separate sin from himself and from his presence. Not only think about the depth of your sin, think about the grace and the love and the kindness and the mercy of God. God doesn't just clothe us with close. God clothes us with a righteousness, not of our own, but only of Christ, who lived a sinless life that we could not live, paid a penalty that we could not pay on our own. And why would he do that? Sometimes that just doesn't make sense. I think about the psalmist. I believe it's in Psalm 8. He looks out at creation and he says, Who is man that you are mindful of him? But God saw it fit enough out of his love and his mercy and his grace to not only bridge the gap, yes and amen, but to live a sinless life that we could not live, to die a death that we could not die, to pay a debt that we could not pay back. And I don't know where you are, in this room. I don't know where your heart is. I don't know where your mind is. But if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ tonight, if you've not surrendered to him as Lord, I want to encourage you here in just a little bit to respond to his call on your heart, to respond to what he has called upon you here tonight. None of us are here by accident. None of us are here by accident. You're here for a purpose. And so what we're going to do here in just a moment, I'm going to call the worship team back up here. We're going to go into a time of response. So I want every head bowed and eye closed as we go into this space. Don't worry, nobody's looking around. It's not youth group, all right? Nobody's looking around. Wondering what their friends are doing. Maybe you're here tonight and you know. You're here. You don't know why you're here. You don't know why God brought you here. You don't quite understand. Somebody invited you here. Somebody drug you here, right? Kind of like my parents used to have to bring me to church. But you understand for the first time tonight that you're lost, that you're a sinner who is in need of grace, that you need a Savior. And that Savior, I'm here to tell you tonight, there's only one He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and his name is Jesus. And I want to encourage you tonight, if you haven't given your life to him, and you want to do so tonight, I want to encourage you to just raise your hand for me. Again, nobody's looking around. We got some folks that would love to talk with you, if that is you here tonight. Maybe you're here and you're a Christian. But maybe through the power of God's word, through the power of song, through the power of fellowship, and ultimately through the power and person of the Holy Spirit, God has pressed upon your heart tonight that there is sin in your life, that he has revealed sin in your life, and you need to confess that to him. I want to encourage you tonight to come to Christ. His arms are open wide. Come father run to the father like a prodigal son did run to him maybe you want to talk with somebody tonight because there's something that you need to confess there's a you don't know how to confess this you don't know how to pray through this you need help we got some folks that would love to talk to you as well so if that's you here tonight there's some sin in your life that you just need to confess there's some sin that's that's present with you now that you need to just discuss with someone would you just raise your hand for us going to do here in just a moment is I'm going to pray for us and wherever you are in your seat I want to invite you to respond I don't know how that looks for you I'll be down here if you want to come and pray with someone I know there's some folks that'll be in the back as well if you want to go and just pray with someone We would love to do that as well But don't waste this moment You're not here by accident you're here for a purpose I'm going to pray, and we're going to stand, we're going to sing, we're going to respond. But let's not waste this time together. Let's pray. Jesus, you are Lord. You are the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. There's none before you, there's none after. Jesus, we praise you tonight for the life that you lived on our behalf. God, I pray that our hearts would sing with how great you are, how wonderful you are. And God, that as we have already discussed tonight, that we would take the good news of Jesus and spread it to the world around us you call us and command us to in in Matthew 28, the Great Commission to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey your ways and God you also promise in that commission that you will be with us wherever we go So, God, I pray that you would continue to work out our purpose in this life. That we can be a Christ follower in our workplace. That we will be bold about who we believe in and why we believe in you. And, God, that we would love you with every part of who we are. Our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. Because you are worthy. You are worthy of all praise, all honor and strength, power and might, and thanksgiving. So Jesus, we praise you tonight. We love you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.
0: sure we can all say and we can all agree that he is worthy he is worthy of any amount of praise that we can muster up and that we can put together he is worthy of everything that we could lay at his feet and surrender to him he is worthy of every bit of ourselves none of us deserve the goodness the grace the mercy. Salvation that he openly gives to those who will place their faith in his son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our God is worthy of the praise that we can lift to him. And it's hit me a lot lately with a lot of things that are going on just in the world, but right here in Spartanburg and the amount of people that are sort of having their eyes open to the need of Jesus right here in our city. And it goes back to what Pastor Benjamin was speaking of with Salvation Spartanburg and so many gatherings and so many outreach opportunities and ministries that are doing everything they can to present Jesus to our city. And it keeps coming to my mind about the urgency of that. Because sometimes, and so often, and I'm guilty of this, I leave a worship service, a church service, a Bible study, whatever it is, and I'm I'm lifted up, I'm excited, I'm encouraged, then I go home and I don't really do anything with that. I don't tell anybody about it, I don't share it, I don't try to... Put Jesus in front of somebody else and explain to them and share my testimony and what he has done in my life. So our sort of theme for this Hope Tour is that hope is now. It's not coming in a few days. It's not coming in a week's time. But hope is now. Now is the time for us to share the hope that each and every one of us have in Jesus Christ with everybody we walk into when we walk out these doors. Whether it's at work, at school, at church, at the grocery store, or when you're picking up dinner, share Jesus with someone, share the hope that we have with those around you and in our community, because hope is now, and may we share that with each and every person that we interact with as we leave here. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. I'm going to pray, and then we'll... Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for everything you have given to us. I thank you for yourself, your goodness as we just sang you are worthy. Lord, we are not. May May we humble ourselves before you to understand that we are not worthy to even be in your presence on our own. That the only reason we are accepted is because share tonight. We are clothed in righteousness that is not our own, that we did not earn nor deserve. It's your righteousness, Jesus, that you graciously and willingly gave to us. Lord Jesus, I just ask that you will give us a sense of urgency. Dear Lord, move our hearts to be the light in the darkness that so many are searching for, God they may find Jesus, that they may find hope and no hope. Dear Lord, I just pray that you will watch over us, guide our steps as we leave here tonight. Help us, Lord, to draw near to you, to point others to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. God bless. Be safe and have a great weekend.